You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Thank you, praise team. Isn't God amazing? Yes, amen. We serve an amazing God. Um, excuse me while I do the announcements. I'm trying to compose myself again, but it is so great to be back here with family. It's so great to be back here in church and around, you know, having the evidence, the way pastor said the evidence and having the evidence of God just all around us. So it's just an amazing feeling just to be back home. Um, today, we only have one announcement. It is a reminder for everyone for our little addition that we're adding here to Faithway, Ruby's um, Ruby and Maurice's baby bash is going to be today at 1 p.m. for baby Jade. So guys, ladies, you guys stick around. It's going to be right after service at 1 p.m. So let's just bless her and bless the addition that we have to Faithway. Um, and right now I'm just going to ask my husband to come up here. We're going to give a testimony. I don't know. Do you want to talk? No. Okay. So I think most of us know already. Um, but we have an amazing testimony to share, you know, what the enemy came to try to take away from us. God fought for us and the church fought for us. And I just want to thank you, church, for standing in the gap for uh, for me whenever I needed you guys the most. And it's something that I'm going to carry in my heart for the rest of my life. So I really appreciate all of you, church and family. Um, so we attempted to do a small family vacation again for the second time and we went to the island and i think most of us know that the first time we went i ended up getting a kidney stone lodged in my ureter and i had to get rushed in for an emergency surgery so we attempted to do this again and we went again to the island last week was it last week two weeks ago two weeks ago and um i had been feeling some pain on the side of my on my side on my kidney um and i figured it was just another kidney stone because i have both kidneys full or had because i'm speaking by faith these things are going to be gone um and i figured it was another kidney stone passing until i started getting fever and i my fever got to about 104 that night it got to 104 and i said okay this is a kidney infection just take me to the emergency in Brownsville, the Valley uh, Regional. Just drop me off there at the emergency. They'll give me my round of antibiotics, and I'll be out of here, and we can finish our little vacation, go to the water park. I don't want to ruin it for the kids. So Laudo drops me off, and um, I'm out within an hour, and they told me that I just had nerve pain on the side, and um, they tested me for COVID, and they said that I was COVID positive. And I said, I don't receive that because I don't have any symptoms it can't be COVID. So they sent me home and I was feeling horrible still. Nothing for the pain. I had fevers. Uh, they went up to about 105 um, that night, 106 that night. So Lauro says, you know, we're, we're coming back home. So we came back home and I got up in the middle of the night so I can go to the bathroom and I felt like I was losing consciousness and I felt like I was going to black out and I was calling for for my husband and I guess somewhere along the way 
I tried walking that way, and next thing I knew, I woke up to the EMTs in my bathroom, um, placing a pillow under my head and trying to get me to come back to consciousness. And um, the look on my husband's face, you know, that that was that scared me. You know, I I felt fine afterwards, and I, I told them, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm okay. And uh, they said, well, we're going to take you to the emergency. I said, no, like, I'm good now. I'm great. Like, I'm feeling good. Like, I can walk and everything on my own. And, and Lauro says, uh-uh. You didn't see you the way I saw you. You're going to the emergency. So they checked my blood pressure at that time. And I've never, I'm healthy, never had any problems with any of my organs, blood pressure, breathing, everything has always been perfect. I'm a child of God. It's been perfect. And... um my blood pressure was extremely low. It was at like 66 over 49 or something like that. And they rushed me to the emergency. I get to the emergency in Laredo Medical. And, you know, God just places all the right people in all the right places whenever you need them. And I truly believe that God used them and gave them his wisdom to, to find out what was going on with me. Because as soon as I got there, it wasn't even 20 minutes later that I was into the ICU um, the nurses, the team, the doctors, everyone was just so spot on and quick to, to tend to me. And I lost consciousness again. Um, but through that, this is what the doctor told me. He says, you're losing consciousness. He was like, but I don't understand how you're, you're alert and you're talking to me. Because I was losing consciousness and I said, okay, I'm leaving. I'm going, I'm going. But I have kidney infection. It hurts. I'm passing kidney stones. I have a fever. They tested me for COVID, so they said I had COVID. So I was just telling them everything. The doctor says, I don't understand how, how you're able to talk. And it's, it's the power of prayer. It's, it's the strength of God that comes in whenever you in your weakness. And um, I lost consciousness twice. And whenever I came back, they said, you have severe sepsis. So I had a really bad kidney infection. And as the kidney filters the blood, or so they, they explained to me, the blood traveled all around my body and my organs were already starting to crash. Um, they tested me for a stroke because my heart started acting crazy. Um, and I, at one point I thought I was having a heart attack. It was the worst pain ever there was. Um, and they rushed me into the ICU and they started me really quick on, on my rounds of medications and antibiotics. And, you know, one night it just got really, really hard, really, really hard. And I felt like I couldn't take this anymore because my shakes would come in when my fever would come. And it's not just little cute little shakes. It was body shakes. It felt like convulsions and I couldn't sit still. And I would yell at myself and say, stop. And I would hit my legs so that they would stop. And it would be a couple of seconds and then it would come up. And um, I, I would lose my consciousness throughout, through, throughout it all. But one night, Laredo has this ban on water, so there's no ice in the hospitals right now. So there was nothing to fight my fever with besides the, the fever reducers, the, the Tylenol that they give you. And one night, I had to spend five hours on this ice blanket. It's like a water blanket filled with water, and they cool it to 60 degrees, and... I couldn't do that. It was torture inside, like, a, a refrigerated room. And um, the next night, they, it started again, and I couldn't do it. And I felt weak, and I was tired. I hadn't slept, like, in three days. And I, I, uh, the, I called for the nurse because my shakes started coming back. And I told him, I need some Tylenol. I need something. And he says, you still have two hours. We can't give you anything. And my temperature was already at 103.5 at that point. And they said, if you get to 104 you're getting back in that ice blanket. 
that water blanket. So I said, no, I'm not going to do this. So I said, you know what? I'm taking authority right now. So right there, I took authority, and I told him, I said, I'm getting out of this bed. I'm going to go sit over there in that chair. I said, and I'm going to pray for two hours. I'm going to be praying for two hours until you come and give me my medication. And So Pastor mentioned something last week in his sermon saying that you don't know where you're at in your faith until you're facing the trials. You know, and as Christians, we're going to face trials. We're going to face tribulations. But it's better that you face it with God on your side. And at that moment, I got out of the bed and I sat down and I started praying. And I started praying and I used that alone time, that quiet time, so I can hear his voice. It's not just about praying. It's about hearing his voice also. You need to listen. You need to find that stillness where you can hear God's voice speaking to you, his, the Holy Spirit directing you. And during that time, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, just trust me. Just trust me and stop worrying. And stop worrying. And it was, it was loud in my, in my heart, in my gut. I felt it in my inner man, you know, where he said, stop worrying. And I said, I am worrying. Why am I worrying, you know? And um, I said, okay, I give it to you, God. My shakes, I had 103.5. I had the, the shakes. I had that severe pain right here. And I said, I'm just going to pray. And I, I trust you, God. And I'm giving it all to you. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to worry. What am I doing worrying? So about an hour in, all of a sudden, my nurse comes running in. And he's all, look what I found. Look what I found. He found a whole bunch of those ice packs that you can break. And since there was no ice in the water hospital, I said, okay, give me the ice. So I started putting the ice, and I said, I'm still going to pray. He's like, you're staying there? I said, I'm staying here. I'm fine. Just go over there. So I stayed in the, in the chair praying, and when he came back in for my medication to give me my medication, I was already back in the bed. I laid hands on the bed and said, I'm going to sleep tonight. I trust you, God. This is what you're talking about. And I was laying in the bed. My pain was gone. My fever was gone. My shakes were gone. I didn't need that medicine. And glory to God. And it was just all him when he says, just trust me. Don't worry. So all of that was gone within those two hours. And then in the morning when the doctor comes in, this was like at at 3 in the morning. And the doctor comes in at 7. He says, okay, we're taking you out of ICU. You're fine. Your blood work, everything is great. You're getting out of ICU. So I get out of ICU, and then he comes back in the next day, and he says, we've been trying to grow some cultures to see where the infection was coming from, um, and they took a whole bunch of cultures from my blood and from my urine and from everything, and he says, we have no evidence of an, of an infection in your body. Like, there is nothing in your body. And he's just looking at me. He says, I don't know. He's like, how do you feel? And I said, I feel great. Like, I feel like I can go home like right now. So... <laughs> He let me go home, and it's just the wonder-working miracles of God, you know, how he brings you and he restores you. You know, everything that they said, they said, if I hadn't gone, I would have died that day at home. If I hadn't gone into the hospital, I would have died because everything was crashing, and I didn't have to get on a ventilator. I didn't have to get on dialysis, on the kidney. They said my kidney would fail. I didn't have to get on anything. I am whole. I am healed. I am complete in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. So I just want to encourage you guys, you know, the way Pastor said last week, you know, everything that we learn here, use it. And I want to encourage you to 
take it into your heart. Let it make a root into your heart and into your mind so that whenever you speak these things, when you face the trials of battles, this is what comes out of your mouth. Life is what comes out of your mouth. God's promises, God's word is what comes out of your mouth. Because it doesn't matter what the world says, God has a final say-so. So I just want to give him glory that I'm here today. And I just want to thank all my church, all of you guys, and I appreciate you guys so much for standing in the gap for me. And I love each and every one of you guys, and I don't take it for granted. So, glory to God. <laughs> and we all go through life. You know, life comes with all these things. But I think, you know, well, something that Lauro said, it just stayed with me, Lauro. I know you, you say things just, but I listen sometimes. He said, you know, he's talking about the church and about the family, that, that a church, you know, should be run professionally, should be run like an organization, but at the same time, you can't lose the family atmosphere, because, you know, we're not a business, amen, you know, we're not a corporate, you know, we're not Microsoft or Apple or Ford, you know, we're a church and we're family, and, and when somebody goes through that, we pull, you know, we pull together, and we pull our faith, and we've been here before with other people in other situations, I've been in situations where you guys pulled with us, you know, and we got through it, but something Lauro said, he talked about the church, he said, you know, where, what other church, and I'm not, you know, this is his church, you know, there, there's a lot of great churches, we're not in competition with any church, but he said, you know, what other church can my daughters go and run around barefooted? And I said, that's Faithway, right? That, and that's family, you know, where these kids grow up, and that's all they know, you know, my grandson, he's 11, this is all he knows, now we got the granddaughter and another granddaughter coming, and I just believe God, we'll just keep doing life together, Amen. And growing, and when, and when the storms of life come, you're not alone. And, and one of the things that I think the sad thing, and, and not in the, in the testament, testament as far as was that hopefully you never find yourself in life where you don't have that, you know? Hopefully you never find yourself in life where you don't have a, a pastor or a sister or a brother in Christ that knows how to pray, that knows how to reach out, that, that understands prayer. You know, you don't just throw your life out on Facebook and expect somebody to know what they're doing. You know, you go into these private areas where faith is pure. You know, I'm not knocking that, but a lot of times, you know, people throw stuff out there and, and, and say, somebody will put prayers your way, and then I look at that person, I'm like, that person wouldn't know Jesus if Jesus came up and slapped them. You know, I mean, their lifestyle is nothing compared to what the expectation. So, you know, you don't want to do that. But at the same time, you want to have a support system of faith people that know how to believe that we've gone through some things, you know, we've seen some things, We've gone through some challenges, and the challenges like this family went, and one thing that we prayed for from the beginning, from the first round, you know, when it first came, was that this would never come again, you know, that this Goliath is dead, and I, I reaffirmed that. And, you know, other Goliaths might show up, but you know what you do? You learn, right? And now you got this. You, got, you know how healing works. You know, our family's been through very many life and death situations, you know, my granddaughter, my wife, with, with situations with sickness and disease, and, you know, faith. And the things that you learn, you know, taking authority over fear, you know, focusing on the word, getting your confession right. Make sure you, every, every word out of your mouth, you got to make sure it lines up to God's word. Amen. So we're really excited for you guys. You know, we love you. Let's give them a big hand clap. Just show them how much we love them. You guys are awesome. All right. Um, children, you are released into wherever you need to go. <laughs> That's, sometimes I forget. And, God bless you. So thank you, Miss Angie. Why don't we give all our kids and Jam and Super Kids a big hand clap, and God bless you. Well, I'm excited this morning. We know we're going to start a, 
a new series, and it's not going to be in a, like the other one that was... Nothing wrong with the other one. I, you know, we didn't really even finish. We just had to move on. I want to show you a little bit of how this happened. You know, little insights on where the messages come from. It's not like I go and, you know, and go to the sermoncentral.com and download something because I don't have nothing to say. And, you know, but um, I was going down the highway and I was thinking about, because somebody, you know, the title of the series is called Deep Into the Shallow. And I know that's kind of a clash of ideas, but I want you to know where, where it came from. So I was driving down the highway. I can tell you exactly where I was, working. I was in full work mode, work truck. It was hot, and I was just meditating on, on the things of God. Then I got, then I got to start thinking about the way people are, including ourselves, and how we grew up. And, you know, hopefully you're growing in your Christianity. You're maturing. You're becoming a better person. And, and, um, and then this thing came up, and I got to thinking. I said, why do people, um, what happened to these kids? Sorry, just they're standing by the door. Anybody know? Y'all just there? Hanging on? Thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure they're like, okay, where are we supposed to go? You're not supposed to go through that door. All right. Okay, let me get a train of thought again here. I was watching all these kids just standing there like, okay. So, you know, I was thinking about, you know, deep into the shallow. Let me tell you where the, where the title came from. And I got to thinking about how many of us, and many times I did the same thing, so this is not thinking about anybody specifically, but many times in my life, even as a Christian, we, w- we would really drown in really insignificant things. Think about that. And that's where the title came from. You know, we get deep, but we get deep into the shallow things of life. And we spend a lot of time in deep areas where we shouldn't even be in deep areas. And that's where the title came from. And then the subtitle was, How to Live Drama Free. How many think that will help you this morning? Come on. Somebody's like, amen, Pastor, you nailed it. Like, so we need to really talk about this because... We came, you know, the way I was in my house, it was very different the way my wife was raised. I mean, it was completely opposite. In my house, you know, the drama was very low-key. There were fights, like there were fights. There was fights between my dad and my mom. And my dad was like, he could have a fight with my dad, and five minutes later, he says, like, nothing happened. Anybody know somebody like that? And then my mom was like, you did something to my mom, and it would just sit there and possibly for a couple weeks. You know, and she wouldn't yell, she wouldn't get mad, she'd just get really quiet, really serious. So I was kind of caught between that, and I think I leaned more into my mom, because my sister's like that. My sister, I, you know, I could have a fight with my sister, you know how brothers and sisters are, right? Y'all don't, some of you like, oh no, we got perfectly right. I mean, like, serious fights, and then my sister, like, five minutes later would be like, you want some ice cream? And I'm like, I don't like you, I hate you, go. You know, I, I'm not talking to you for the next six months, what do you mean I want some ice cream, you know? And things would, would just sit there and sit there. But my, my sister and my dad weren't. My sister and my dad, they just kind of let things go. And, and I kind of liked that. But my mom and I, you know, it was more that kind of the wiring system in, in us was like you would just hang on to things. And they would affect you deeply. Because the longer you hang on to something, the deeper it gets. Amen? And the root of bitterness and all that good stuff. So, so this, the series came from those ideas, you know, because we, we lose so much in this arena of life. So I, I went on this pursuit after... You know, I'm not smart enough to think of titles like that. I believe it was the Holy Ghost, you know, because I was just meditating. And I'm thinking, man, just people, they're, they're so shallow, you know, sometimes in the things of God. And, and, they, they add, and then it was like deep into shallow. So if you're curious about the, the title, I didn't, I didn't steal it from another church. It was straight down, download from the Holy Ghost. And, um, and I learned some things. So I'm going to try to teach you some of the things that we've learned. And one of the things that, you know, I'm going to go back maybe about, I'm going to say about 10 years now, maybe eight years or so, 
I really got on a trek in my own personal life because, and I still have a lot going in my life. I got way too many things going on, you know, because as you know, we pastor the church and not only one church, we pastor three churches, you know, two directly, one indirectly. Then as, you know, the thing of Cuba, you've been watching the news and we're very heavily involved in Cuba, been in Cuba for nine, almost 10 years now. It'll be 10 years next month, I guess. And so, you know, we've been in ongoing conversations when we can with our pastors in Cuba thing. And I'll, I'll give you guys maybe an update at the end of what's really going on down there. You know, not, not what the news tells you. But, um, you know, so you have all this stuff going on. Then you, I have my business, my contracting business. And then you're, then you're a dad. And then you're a grandpa. And, you know, you got to spread yourself. And pretty soon, you know, you're running crazy. And so I got on this pursuit, you know, about 10 years ago where, like, you know what? One thing I'm going to pursue is peace, amen? I'm going to create an environment, and I, and I do, you know, I've, I found I'm getting better at it because I do find times where it's nothing, you know, you don't do nothing, you're just there, maybe it's with the kids or with the grandkids, whatever, but really on a pursuit of peace, you know, and it was one of those things, you know, there's a, there, and I'm just kind of introducing it right now, but there's a scripture that says, labor, labor to enter into his rest, so it's almost a Another, another, you know, clash of ideas or oxy, I mean, almost oxymoron when you say labor to rest. So, but really what the Bible was telling you that you have to spend some time pursuing peace. It's, you know, peace is not going to come into your life and you're just going to be at peace with everything. You have to on purpose pursue that. You know, the author of Hebrews went on to say, says, pursue peace with all men, you know, with everybody. In other words, and the word pursue is a hunting term. You know, when you take it out of the the Hebrew, because that was that one. The book of Hebrews was written in Hebrews, not in Greek. But the Hebrew word used is a hunting term. It's you know you're hunting peace. So these kind of ideas, you know, really began to to to, to cause these insights in my life. And I said, you know, I do need to adjust my schedule. I knew because you know H can tell you, man. We there's the seasons that I can't even keep up with myself. Anybody? I mean, we would run fast, right, H? I mean, H would just you know, raise one eyebrow like, dude, slow down, you know. You know, and, and we've slowed down in a way. I mean, COVID totally slowed us down because we see, you know, international ministry running around all over the countries, pastoring churches. Well, pretty soon, you know, you, you, can get, you can get worn out with that. And what happens with being worn out that then you get frustrated and you become, you know, somebody that most people don't want to be around with because you got a bad attitude. And so you can be doing a lot of Christian stuff and not having the right place. So, so the idea of, of this series is really kind of in that, the, to, to find out, and I just picked the word drama. You guys know what I mean by drama, amen? We're not talking about, you know, working at a theater. We're, we're talking about all the stuff that, that sometimes, if we're not careful, we drown in. Thus, once again, the title, You're Deep Into the Shallow. So let's get right into it this morning. I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I was going to give you another scripture in Revelation, and then we were just going to stay here till we got to it, but no. So you said that would take a long time. <laughs> so let's talk about the very beginning of where this thing starts. So we, we know Adam has been created. Eve, his wife, has been created. They're living a very peaceful life, fellowship with God. They got everything they need. They got just very simple instructions, you know, tend to the garden. And yeah, by the way, that one tree right there, don't, you know, tend to it, but don't, you don't get to touch that one. And that tree just, you know, some people say, well, why could God even do that? It's kind of a side note for those that wonder. Well, he put that tree because it's ownership. That tree established he owns a garden. You know, some people say, oh, God lost everything. Oh, God didn't lose everything. Man lost everything. God's the one that kicked them out. He changed the locks. Amen. God still owns this whole thing. 
But you find them here, and now you find what we know, we would know as the fall of man, when the serpent or Satan shows up to begin conversations with man. And says, the serpent, let me just, I'll read from here, you guys can read up there. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals, and the Lord had made, and one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of a garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse 4, pay attention now. It says, you won't die. Now who said that? The serpent, right? You know, God said something, the serpent said something else. Now here we go, because this is really, what I'm about to break down is, how does, how does drama move and navigate? And we're going to really break up down all these things, and hopefully by the end of this series, and hopefully by the end of today, or this service, you will take something home to say, you know what, I'm not going there anymore. I'm, I've learned something, you know, because church, if you just come to get a sermon and a little gold, you know, symbolic gold star on your forehead, it's not any good. You need to be able to take something home and say, you know, even if you're married, you know, if you're, if you're here, your spouse is with you as a couple, listen carefully, because this is, this is going to cause a lot of good stuff in your life. Amen? But here's the thing, that I, that's why I stopped here. When, even when you're pursuing God and when you're saying, look, we're going to get our life right, we're going to start trying to do the God thing, go to church, guess who's going to show up? The serpent. We know him as the devil, right? He's not going to stay away. He didn't stay away there. He's not going to stay one. And he, he'll come with the same very same things. You know, he doesn't have a lot of new tools. He doesn't have a lot of new weapons. He's got the same one. If he can get you to believe him instead of God, then he's got you. If Kathy would have believed she would have died, she probably would have. And we'd be having a very different service today. But she didn't believe that. She said, no, that's a lie. I'm not taking it. I'm not that. Do you think this thing's going to kill me? It's not going to kill me. You see, and so, you know, as a Christian, you're constantly making these decisions but the one that when it caused to strife and problems in your marriage and problems with your family and problems at work and all this stuff that we see and all this hate and all this violence, you can watch it on news right now. It's that same spirit. Everything's going on in this country, you know, and everybody fighting, everybody bickering. And, you know, it's the same spirit, but he always comes with this one idea. Whatever God said doesn't really matter that much. Remember that. This is what matters. And I think when we talk about living drama-free and not drowning in the shallow or, or, or not going so deep into shallow things, you've got to remember that God's going to place something in front of you, and, and, and from that point forward, it's really up to you. God can't do a whole lot. It's going to be up to you to one little idea, a decision. A decision to just say, I might understand it, I really don't know what it means, but I'm just going to go ahead and do what God says. Imagine if this couple had done what God said. We would, might live in a completely different world, right? So, but, but, you know, so the devil begins to die, and he starts with, with, with a complete opposite of what God said. You know, God said, you know, God said, if you touch this, you will die. And the devil says, no, you won't. And now, this, now it's open because now Adam and Eve, and I know a lot of people, you know, history tries to blame Eve, but the Bible says that he turned, she turned, and handed the fruit to her husband. Her husband was standing right next to her. Amen. Now, he was right there. He should have told that snake to shut up. Amen? If he'd been from South Texas, he would have eaten the snake. <laughs> but oh well. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows. Now, you know, starting to question everything God told you. Your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And here comes another lie. It's just lie after lie after lie. As you will be like God. Wait a minute. Weren't they already like God? Yep. 
created image and likeness, right? So they're like, they're not gods, but they are like God. So, they, you know, he's just, he just pounding on the lies. No, what God said is not true. Oh, but what did he say? That's, no, no, he, the problem with God is that he doesn't want, to, want you to be like him. Second lie. Now they're, now they're wrapped in a series of deceptions. Now they're wrapped in two deceptions. And here's what problems when you begin to get wrapped in deception, you really, it's really sometimes hard to find the way out because what's the first rule of deception is you don't know you're deceived. If you know you're deceived, then it's not deception. Hello? So right now, they're now, now that he's confusing them, of course, I give it to you, they're very innocent. All they know is God. They have no darkness in them. But now this com- weird conversation is happening, and now they're starting to question some things. And this is the reason, this, is, this foundation is very important to the series, because it is exactly the same way. If you are really on a question, you know what, I've had enough drama in my life. I've had enough issues. I've had enough fights and bickering and carrying on and everybody at each other. And I mean, there's, there's families that don't talk to each other. There's parents that don't talk to their kids. Kids that don't talk to their parents. Brothers that don't talk to each other. You guys know what I'm talking about. And it's all wrapped around the same idea. So let's keep going and, and I'll show you where we're... So once they listen to him, listen, look at verse 6. He says, the woman was convinced. Convinced. In other words, full deception now, right? You believe whatever they're telling you is the truth. And now you are convinced. And once you're convinced, guess what happens in your psyche? You believe you're right. I'm already preaching even though you don't know it. Because all this has to do with avoiding drama. Now, you know, you're convinced you're right. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You're convinced. She was convinced. And she saw that the tree was beautiful, the fruit looked delicious, she wanted the wisdom it would give her, she took some of the fruit and ate it, then she gave some to her husband, I thought he was standing right there, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame and their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of evening breeze blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to man, where are you? Let me tell let me Insert this one. That's not a question because he doesn't know where they're at. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I lost my man. <laughs> and his wife. I don't know where they went. That's not what he's in. You know what he's asking? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you standing in this relationship? Where are you? You know, and I really believe, you know, studying the Bible, and we know that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I do believe with all my heart because before I read the next part of it, that if these people, Adam and Eve, would have accepted responsibility, I, I just kind of believe God would have given them grace. Because grace is through the whole Bible. I mean, grace is in the Old Testament. You see grace over and over and over, and especially in the New Testament. I'm just thinking if, if, if Adam had come and taken that responsibility and said, oh, Lord, forgive me. Uh, yeah, I, I totally miss this one. I repent, I believe that, because, you know, he doesn't change. You all still with me? And so that grace, I'm sure, was available. But the problem that they weren't able to take the grace was because, here it comes, excuses. So, you know, we're going to break all this down, but but this is a great introduction to the series because look what happens after this. So once he calls them out, he says, where are you? He replied, I heard you were walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? That's a big conversation going on, right? Where are you? Who told you? Like if God didn't know what happened, he know, of course he knew what happened. The Lord asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? I mean, these aren't like he doesn't know. 
He's, I, think all these, I think all these questions are pointing to a place of repentance. Who told you? What did you do? Watch. Here comes human nature at its best. The man replied, Fue ella, señor. <laughs> it was the woman. Send her to hell, not me, Lord. I was just standing there thinking good thoughts about you, Jehovah. A woman. Watch the woman now. I mean, you're not off the hook, ladies. The man replied, it was a woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. It's, it's your fault, God. It's not my fault. Adam's like, you know what? You and Eve, you guys figure that out. I'll just head back to the garden. He's trying to get out of this thing. He's the head of this relationship. So, <laughs> then the Lord asked the woman, well, what have you done, sunshine? Well, he didn't put sunshine, that's just me. <laughs> and she looks at the serpent, deceived me, which was correct. But she could have said, I disobeyed you. But she didn't say that. God says, what happened? The man says, the woman. The woman says, the serpent. And the serpent doesn't get to say anything now. Nothing left, nobody else to blame. Well, the serpent knew what it was doing. Well, the serpent was just an animal. Satan possessed this animal. And it finishes, I mean, at least this part of the chapter says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me. The Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, and that is why I ate it. So here in this very, you know, very simple passage, introduction to the whole Bible, you find human nature at its best, right? So when you begin to talk about you know, navigating your life away from drama, navigating your life to a place of peace. And, you know, those of you that are younger, those of you, you know, I'm 55, I don't feel like I'm that old, but you get to a point in your age where you look at things very different. I remember my dad told me when I was 16, I didn't believe him, we had a big fight. He said, you know, when you grow up, you're going to think different. He told me that. And I'm like, whatever, I'm never going to think different. I act completely different. You, you do grow up in that sense. But I'm thinking, man, I wish I would have heard this message when I was in my 30s. I really do. I wish I, I knew some of these things when I first got born again. Because if somebody doesn't really tell you that this is not appropriate behavior, you've learned it. What, and we're going to break all this down. But you've learned it from your parents or your environment or society. And even kids. I mean, you can see in kids. You know, And parents, listen to me. Some of the stuff you need to be teaching your kids on how to, you know, have conflict resolution and not end up in, at this place always because human nature is I don't accept responsibility over anything. So if you're going to get something out of this series, the very first thing I want you to do is whatever you hear, don't sit there and say, well, I'm glad he's sitting next to me because he really needs to hear this. You know, you need to accept your responsibility. Yes, that's right. yes. You know, because this is going to, this is, you know, I'm, I want to say kind of like where we're going on this, but this is an important thing because... Not this week, maybe next week we'll hit this one. But in the book of James it says, where there is strife, there is every evil work. And I take that scripture very, very seriously. Where there is strife, that means you are open for every demonic attack that you can think of. Where there is a division, where there is no harmony, where there is not a rhythm within a marriage, within parenting, within even a church, the devil will use that door. And if you think, you know, and and he opens his door and he starts a fire. And that fire will just burn the whole thing down, eventually, if it's not controlled. I want you to go to Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. 
And um, I want to ask you a question before we read that, because this is what I want you to be thinking about. You know, again, I don't know if it's going to be, I'm, I'm thinking it's a two-week series. It, it could be three. But I'm thinking, you know, how much time, this is the question I wanted to ask you at the front end, how much time health, money, fear, and worries has every version of drama that you have experienced has cost you? I mean, that would be a loaded question, right? Think about it. You know, all your life, every time there was conflict with somebody, what has that cost you in, in terms of health? What the, has that cost you in terms of, you know, anger and stress levels and high blood pressure and, you know, all kinds of crazy things? What has that cost you? Your joy, your peace. How about learning how to live life? Because the people that are involved in drama all their life, they don't enjoy life. You don't enjoy because you're always just from one thing to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, right? And your whole life passes you by, and before you know it, you've spent 20, 30 years in conflict. Amen? Now, I'm not talking to the world. The world is, that's the world. Look at the world. I mean, look at, the, I mean, again, this is not a political statement. You guys know where I stand on politics, and I'm not going to use a holy desk to try to, you know, push an agenda. But you look, just this stuff that happens in Texas. And everybody acting like a bunch of little kids, and Democrats, they go over there to run over there to... Washington, you know, to cry to mama and whatever. And, and, and what I thought was hilarious, I mean, that was bad enough. But then I said, well, when they come back, we're going to arrest them. I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? I mean, this is the government. This is the people that are trying to. Those are the people, both sides, left and right, that run the state. And they're acting like a bunch of kids that you would find in a nursery. If you go, I want to tell mommy. And she's going to punish you. And you're thinking, these are the government this is the people that control our life in so many ways and there's so much drama even at their levels can you say amen to that that's all i'm going to say about that but you think about it, you watch it you see it everywhere and the sad thing is that god gave us direction god gave us a way to process these things and the church if you're not careful the church goes right into this situation the divorce rate in the church is the same as the divorce rate in the world it used to not be that way. Now it's just, you know, there's really no difference. You know, they say about 50% of the marriages fail. Well, that's about 50% of the marriages in church fail. Because people are, are, are it's, it's really, you know, one of the things that we have to be careful, church, before I keep reading, is that in the society that we live in, and I'm talking maybe now 20 years or so, for those of you that are younger might not think, it's really become very, very, it's turning into this thing that everything on this planet is about me. My feelings it doesn't matter what your feelings are. The only thing that matters are my feelings. And now we have all these things that we're dealing with. With You know, people don't know what to do. You know, identity issues. You know, we're, we're raising a generation that doesn't even know what bathroom to go to. I mean, think about this. This is a crazy time. And, it, and it, all of it wraps around this about, oh, no, 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 me, 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 me. No, well, let me tell you what happens when you want to be that person that says, well, I'm in control of my life and nobody can tell me that. I, okay, I'm fine. I believe that. You know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the only thing that comes with that is something called responsibility. You don't get to say that unless you can handle responsibility. You don't get to even say anything because responsibility comes with this. And this is where we're going. You know, we have to understand all these things. So let's go to Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 3. And I'm reading out, I believe this is a Passion Translation. It says, remind people 
to respect their governmental leaders on every level as law-abiding citizens and be ready to fulfill their civic duty. Nothing wrong with that. We believe that. You know, I pray for every president that's ever been in office, regardless if I agree with him or not. I keep praying for him. And remind them, here we come. This is, this is okay, yeah, you, you know, respect the government. I got that. But then he says this. That's not really the key point in my, in my teaching. This is the key point. And remind them to never tear down anyone with words or quarrel. Well, that phrase right there, that happens all the time in church. Come on, y'all, say amen. Y'all look so holy this morning. Like, oh, Pastor, I think you missed it. We don't need to hear this message. No, I didn't miss this one. I'm pretty sure y'all need to hear this. Don't raise your hand, but did you tear anybody down this week? I, I probably did. I'm not, I mean, I'm an honest preacher, man. I'm thinking, yeah, I probably cut somebody down with my mouth. It's funny, you know, how God deals with me. I was in Laredo. Laredo is a, is a very good place to get really spiritual. Because you can practice all the fruit of the Spirit within an hour and a half of being in Laredo. Love, patience, faith, long suffering, long suffering. So I decided to go to Cain's, and it was been closed. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm just, you know, make sure, because I know with COVID, a lot of people don't get out anymore. But there's a restaurant. It, was, it had been closed for whatever reason, but it was open again, and we like it, and it's, and it's good chicken. And it was a big line. It's kind of like Chick-fil-A, and I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I already got my patient mode. I'm set. I'm in the truck. I'm good. 20 minutes, got my phone, air conditioning, all is good. Well, if you've ever been to Cane's in Laredo, there's another little street that feeds from the side. What's so hillside? Hillside comes in from the side, and then you get enough. McPherson, the way you're supposed to get. So we're all lined up. And a car comes in from Hillside, like trying to cut in line. And I'm being spiritual, I think. And, I, and I'm like, okay, that's not cool. But what really made it super uncool is that they let her in. Well, it was a him, but he was being directed by a woman, kind of like this situation that we just read in Genesis. I could see her telling him, you got to go like this, you got to go like that, and and they let her in. I'm thinking, here we are, 20 minutes, and just somebody drives in. And Come on, would that irk anybody? Raise your hand. You can be really spiritual. That would irk you. You're, you're, yeah, you're hangry. Angry and hungry, that's not good. Well, they let, her, let them in. And, of course, I had to vent. So when it was my turn to order, I think one of the managers was out there. And I was very nice. I was polite. I wasn't being an idiot. I'm like, what y'all did was not cool at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I sat there, and, I'm, and, and again, I didn't get, like, I didn't blow up, so I'm, I'm growing. Y'all be, would have been proud of me. <laughs> this is, you guys think this is a joke? You know why I don't have a bumper sticker on my car with a fish? Because I don't want to embarrass Jesus. <laughs> Somebody said, Pastor doesn't even have a I love Jesus sticker. No, because I know who I am, and I honor God so much that if I get really angry or hungry, however you say it, Look at that Christian. <laughs> Jesus doesn't deserve the dishonor, all right? But, you know, I got fueled up, and I was mad, and, and it was like two cars. And I'm thinking, man, I feel like just getting down and, like, really? And then the Lord says, what are you preaching on Sunday? I hate when he does that. And I had to cool off. 
Like real quick, because I'm thinking, here I am about to talk about controlling your anger, and I am so mad over this situation. And you know, I just took it, and, and I, some of the things that you're going to hear this morning, I began to apply them, and the car went on, and I was fine. I enjoyed my chicken. It was all good. Amen? And I'm not in jail, so glory to God for that. So these situations, before you know it, you're sucked into them. And look what, look, what, look what Titus says while Paul writing to Titus. He says, remind them to never. That's not sometimes. I'm under conviction as I'm preaching this to you, so hopefully you're under too. Good kind. Don't tear down anyone with their words or quarrel, but instead be considerate. Well, it's hard to be considerate when they're cutting in line and you've been in line for 20 minutes. What am I supposed to be considerate for? I'm trying to help you all. Well, you know what you've got to be considerate? Considerate considerate just means think about it. Consider what? That somebody did you a wrong? That somebody violated your space? That somebody cut in front of you? No, you don't consider that. You consider what Jesus said. See, this is where we begin to separate this us from them. Not that we're better than them, but we do have a higher standard. We, we, you know, if you study the word, you have to understand that you have to recognize these situations. And when you recognize them, you have to default because every kind of strife, every kind of anger, every kind of situation that maybe some of you are even dealing with today probably started because when you were ignited or when somebody poked you, we have a thing in my house, you know, when I'm having a bad day, they don't really say it, but I know they're talking about it. But it basically comes down to don't poke the bear. Right? How many have, are married to somebody like that? Thank you. H is really honest. The rest of you are just scared because she's sitting right next to you. But, you know, it's like, you know, don't poke the bear. And I think one of these things is, is um, strife, anger, drama is a very seductive spirit. It's very seductive. In other words, it draws you in. Before you know it, you know... Come on, if you're married, you've had these experiences. You're having a perfectly fine day, and then something comes up, and somebody says something, and it started because you didn't pick up your underwear, and 20 minutes later, you're talking about a divorce. Come on, raise your hand. Maybe not that scenario, but it started with something really stupid, and it escalated. And I'm talking to believers. I'm not talking to heathens. And the whole time, you never considered God. You just considered, oh, my feelings. Oh, I've been violated. Oh, yeah, well, wait a minute. I know vengeance is yours, Lord, but I'm going to borrow it. Just for a couple minutes. You guys are like either paying a lot of attention or don't want to be here. I don't know which one. but Considerate, humble. Oh, you got to love this one because this one I had to apply. Courteous to everyone. There's a lot of everyones that don't deserve courteous. That's horrible English, but you know what I'm saying, right? But you see, it's not making an exception of who you're supposed to be considerate. It's not, you know, humble or courteous. For it wasn't that long ago. And I'm thinking, Lord, we're not even there yet. He's talking about people that got it together. All the Christians, including yours truly, we don't have it together. So so that scripture sounds for somebody that already managed this. Because it wasn't long ago... In my life, supposedly, it was in 1992 when I gave my life to God. But it wasn't that long ago 
when we behaved foolishly in our stubborn disobedience, we were easily led astray, and pay attention to this word, as slaves. Because nobody wants to be called a slave. Nobody wants to say, hey, people are controlling you or circumstances are controlling you. But nonetheless, they're controlling you. And when you get sucked into these situations, you don't even see it. You're blindsided or you are convinced that you're right. Can I hear an amen? But you're not in the right anymore. Even if in the natural, the facts lean into your favor. That doesn't make you right in the eyes of God necessarily. Because if you're angry, the only way you can be angry according to God is be angry and sin not. That's pretty hard. And that's, I think, really specific to some ideas. I mean, I don't think, I think most anger would just be considered sin. And I was angry at the guy, I mean, at this the guy that cut in and the lady that was giving him the instructions. I'm thinking, boy, there's Adam and Eve right there, right there. Just to, I have to be considered. I have to be courteous. But my flesh doesn't want to do any of those. Amen. And we are easily led astray as slaves to worldly passions and pleasures. We wasted our lives in doing evil and with hateful jealousy, we hated others. How many? That's the way we were. Everybody say were. I know it's a faith statement, but we were. According to Jesus, according to Paul's writings, we were, come on, keep confessing it, because I know some of, you, some of you are like, were? I, got, I had this in the parking lot before I walked into church this morning. What are you talking about, were? Some of you are mad at me for preaching this already. Were. But you see, from God's perspective, he said, when you came to truth, when you came to Jesus, that, this thing should have gotten resolved. The fact is, we haven't resolved it because we don't really care that much. Or it hasn't become a theme. But again, go back to the question I asked you a few minutes ago. How much has drama cost you in your life? From health to wealth. Or making just really bad decisions. Because you know when you're angry, you make really bad decisions. Amen? Anger is the equivalent of being intoxicated. You can't think straight. You can't think straight. Being angry... Or being full of fear is the same thing as being intoxicated. Your mind is somewhere else. And you're going to make some really bad decisions. Amen? All right, give me the next one, guys. Let's just kind of go with it. Romans 12, 17, 19 says, Don't hit back, but discover beauty in everyone. If you got it in you, (laughs) yes, Holy Spirit, we just finished a whole six weeks of the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to have him in us. Come on, people. If you have him in you, <laughs> I'm saying because it's if you've got it in you, well, that you've got it in you is Jesus, because if it's not Jesus, we're horrible people. He's the one that makes us a little better. Amen? Or a whole lot better. It says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging. Who said that? God. If you call yourself a child of God, these are some of the things you got to do. You can't, you, you know, and, and I'm going to give you like practical steps. Right now we're just building the foundation with scripture. See what the Bible says about this topic. And hopefully when you leave, I'll give you a few points. And of course we'll build next week and next week until we, you know, until we get to where we need to. But he's telling you there, there's something in you. He says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you. I'll do the judging, says the Lord. I'll take the care, care of it. Give me the next one. 
So we're just going to kind of shotgun some of these. Proverbs 17, back up, Proverbs 17, 1. A simple, humble life with peace. That's the only thing I am pursuing right there. That's what I started right there years and years ago. I want to, I want to just live. I don't, you know, we're blessed. You know, we're not broke. Or, and we, you know, we, we don't live an extraordinary, super rich life. We don't live that life, and that's fine. You know, if God gives it to me, I'll enjoy it. But I don't really, that's not my pursuit. I'm fine, you know. I live in my house. My house is not ginormous, you know. It's just a regular house. I drive regular cars. I don't drive a Ferrari. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But even, it doesn't matter how much money you have or you don't have. This is a pursuit. You could be the richest person in the world and you could still pursue this to say a simple, humble life. That doesn't mean poverty life. It just means simple in its drama level. Simple in in, in that you're not involved in all these kind of crazy things. says, and quiet is far better than an opulent lifestyle with nothing but quarrels and strife at home. So what, the, you know, what, what Solomon was saying, you know, hey, and this is, by the way, the guy that wrote this, you know why he wrote it? Because he was full of drama. He, no, I mean, this guy had a lot of headaches. He had, what was it, a thousand concubines? That's a lot. One like to kill you, you're going to have a thousand of them? You guys don't know what a concubine is, don't even think about it. I mean, this is the richest man in the world? The guy that wrote this, there, there is nobody even to date. Not Steve Jobs, not Bill Gates, not anybody that has had the wealth that Solomon had. He had everything he ever wanted. He had all the money, all the power, all the women, all everything, the food, everything was. And he's now he's writing from a person that didn't enjoy any of it. If you really want to see what his dark side is, you read the book of Ecclesiastes. That's towards the end of his life. And you know who he's talking about? Himself. He said, I've reached the end of my life, and you know what? It's all vanity. It's all vanity. And let me tell you, living in drama, living, always defending your position, living and, you know, sticking your nose in somebody else's business and all this stuff, it's, it's not worth it. He says nothing. He says, so Solomon is basically saying, if I could have picked all this glory that I got or just having a peaceful life, I would have picked a peaceful life. Isn't that good? Because it's not coming from somebody that's broke. I'm saying the guy that wrote this was is still today considered the wealthiest man that has ever lived. All right, now give me the next one, another one from him. Don't be one who is quick to quarrel, for an argument is hard to stop, and you never know how it will end. So don't even start down that road. These are all little instructions. Next time you feel conflict coming, next time you feel, you know, she said, he said, all this kind of stuff, or somebody said, you know, it's like, you're going to have to make a decision. But the first thing we have to do this morning is recognize it. You can't fight it unless you recognize it. And a lot of people don't recognize it. So he's telling you, you know, these are just like I'm shotgunning these scriptures just to build you a foundation. Give me the next one. And then in Proverbs 17, same chapter, 19 and 20 says, If you love to argue, then you must be in love with sin. Well, that's pretty brutal. Because most Christians don't want to be say, Oh, I'm in love with sin. That's not a bumper sticker for your car. You're not going to have like a t-shirt. that says, Faithway, I'm in love with sin. It's in the Bible, Pastor. We pulled it out of the Bible. If you love to argue, then you must be in love with sin. In other words, guess what he's saying? Argument is sin. Conflict is sin. Do you notice it doesn't say if you're right? 
Because this is the way human nature is. If I'm right, then the argument is right. That happens in a marriage. That happens in couples. That happens in Christian couples. That happens in pastoral couples. That happens everywhere. There's a point where somebody says something, and you know you're right. Come on, men, say amen. You know what I'm talking about. But sometimes you just got to go with it because what you're protecting is greater than your right. You're protecting the anointing. You're protecting the Holy Spirit's presence in your house. And you got to protect it back to Kathy's testimony. When something like that faces you, you better have some of this stuff, some of these little things crossed out. Because that is, you don't want an environment, you want an environment where the Holy Spirit can heal, where the Holy Spirit can protect your kids from ending up in a bad place on drugs or in morality, where your marriage is solid, where you're fine. You want an environment where the Holy Spirit feels comfortable. Because he's the power, he's the presence. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't feel comfortable, guess what the Holy Spirit does? He leaves. Amen? You can frustrate grace. You can frustrate the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's telling you right there. And then he goes on to say, the one with a perverse... Well, let me, let me finish. If you love to argue, then you must be in love with sin. For those who love to boast is, is only asking for trouble. The one with a perverse heart never has anything good to say, and the chronic liar tumbles into constant trouble. Well, I'm not even going to break all those down, but that's exact, that is truth. Every one of those is truth. All right, let's go. Proverbs 18, 6 and 7. I mean, there's a lots of these guys. I only picked a handful. The lips of fools, nobody wants to be called a fool, so bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. Do you know somebody like that? <laughs> oh my gosh, I know a lot of people that, you just want to slap them up real good and then pray for their healing, right? I mean, come on, raise your hand if you know, if you know somebody like, like, oh Lord Jesus, just, I mean, I'll slap him and then he'll listen to you, I'm sure. The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. So now we have, now we're just going to start breaking down, what, how do I navigate this through this? Well, number one, it's right there, your mouth. All right, let me, let me pull up some, a couple of things I have here in my notes, but I don't think they're up on the slide, so. Uh, okay, we got one more, RJ. Give me the next one. I like this one. Avoiding strife brings a man honor, but every fool is quarrelsome. So if, again, if you are somebody that has a leaning into strife, a leaning into drama, a leaning into being quarrelsome, I didn't say it, the Lord said it. You're a fool. And you know what? You, we could really, <laughs> that, that could be a teaching <laughs> in itself because one of the things that the Bible says a fool does, a fool says there's no God. Uh, I say, well, yes, Pastor, well, I'm not an atheist. No, but you as a believer, if you don't have a conscience about what we're talking about this morning, you're saying there is no God. And you believe in God and you love Jesus, go to church, pay your tithes or whatever you got to do, but if you're always in conflict, even though you're not saying with your mouth, heaven reads you as a fool. That doesn't make you less of a child of God. That just makes you the foolish child of God. And fools don't prosper. 
And you might make it to heaven, but down here your whole life will be filled with drama and conflict and sickness and disease. Because guess what? They all go together. Lack. They all walk together. They, all these parts. I mean, and that's a sad thing because you see people that are children of the Lord, childs of God, that they have a covenant of prosperity and peace and health. And they're living so below the covenant, not because God's holding out on them. It's because they have done it to themselves by not understanding simple principles of the expectation of what God wants for you. Are you still here? All right. Let me give you this quote. I think I, I, think I did put that one up there. This is a, she's a writer. I, I read some of her stuff. I haven't really read her full book, but she's a pretty interesting writer. Allegra Houston. You do, you do pronounce it Houston. I learned that in New York. It's not Houston. It's Houston. Just spelled different. It says, don't waste your time on what's not important. Don't get sucked into drama. Get on with it. Don't dwell on the past. Be a big person. Be generous of spirit. And I like this one. Be the person you would admire. Isn't that good? You see, when we're talking about character modification, because that's really what it is. When you get born again, you come in with all the junk from the world, the way your parents raised you, or whatever happened in your child, you know, growing up. Maybe you had some bad experiences. Maybe you had some bad relationships. Maybe you were abused. I'm not making light of any of it. But here's the thing. When you come to the cross, we have to understand that the process of of being a new creation is exactly that, a process. But it has to be practiced. You can't just say, well, I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm saved. I'm good. No. All the stuff that you have in the world, guess what? You still got that junk. But now you have something within you that will help you clean some of this stuff out, process some of this stuff out, not be so conflicting and everything. And, and I'm talking about myself because I can tell you, even as a believer, even as a minister, you know, some of the people that are here in the building, again, I always refer to H because he's probably one of the longest persons, you know, that have been with us the longest. And, and other people, you know, Miriam, not a city, a lot of people that were here, you almost say at the beginning. And I don't know if you guys noticed, you guys never told me, but I've noticed in my life, even in my ministerial life, there's been a change. I used to get really mad about everything. Man, that's, that's the band. Right, Katharina? They, they couldn't be before you all showed up. I was horrible. But I wanted excellence. I wanted perfection. And I just make everybody mad. I'm surprised they didn't, they didn't all leave the church and go to the world. And... <laughs> I wasn't that bad, but Katharina was like, yeah, you were. No, I never threw my guitar down and just stormed out. No, I didn't do that. But I got, I got close to that. But, you know, I would deal with things. And I began to say, you know, I love God. I'm doing this. But I have to have a little more compassion. I have to have a little more love. I have to have, you know, because at the end of the day, everyone in this room is a child of God. You know, and I'm giving you little tips. I'm not giving you lists, do this, do this, do this. But if you think about when you react in any any form, however you react with whatever person, even the person that cut in line at Cain's, (laughs) good or bad, heathen or not, they are children of God, right? They, they have to accept Christ, but God created them. They didn't, nobody else created them. And I think that's, that has helped me, especially because, you know, again, I was going to talk about the way her families were raised. Monica's family, and I love her, you know, Monica's, Monica's mom loves me more than her kids. Let me just tell you that. That's a, that's a fact. When she comes, I'll let her stand up here and testify. She's a very sweet lady. But her family, compared to our family, our family was boring. Our fights were like, at this tone, because both of my parents, probably like you guys, both of my parents were college professors, so they're very. In her family, how many know what a telenovela is? Well, they would have won 
Grammy, or not Grammys, <laughs> Emmys, and every other thing, if they had been a reality show, <laughs> you know, it was telenovela at the max. I even came up with a term that I would make Monica mad. She still gets mad if I say it towards her, of course. Which was, ya deja con esos tel no seas telenovelera. <laughs> Especially, because American soap operas, they're not the same. How many know what I'm talking about? American soap operas are like, I don't like you, Jim. <laughs> you cheated on me. Mexican soap operas are like, I'm going to kill you! And they fall out, and makeup is running. They look like Alice Cooper, you know, like all the other things. Yeah, Monica, they put guns out. and Her dad started a fire in the living room. Yeah, so pray for my wife. She has a lot of daddy issues. Tampoco no también telenoveleros en tu casa. We'll finish this, y'all. Go ahead, tell them. Now, she's telling me about how they were. So we, we came up from two diff really different backgrounds. And I think I told you this story about how intense it was in her house. And, I, and when I first met her, you know, they invited me to lunch. I had this big, it was a big, it was, like, it was a completely different my big old table, you know, a lot of chairs. And, and her, what would be, I guess, her stepdad, by then her real dad, they had been divorced, whatever. And they're sitting there, and they're all talking about this thing, and they're so intense about it. And he's like, in his face, and the facial expressions, and, and Monica's mom is reacting to this conversation. And they're talking about this veterinarian that ran away with, this, with somebody's you know, wife. And I'm like, dude, this is some serious stuff. You know, I'm over there just, I wasn't born again. I, I, I might have even been stoned out, and I was just in there like, wow. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm just going, I didn't talk. I'm like, ooh. And they're going, and I went back, and when it's all done, and they were all intense, they were all into it, they're talking, and they're like, oh, I can't believe this, and you know, all these, and I'm like, when it's all over, like, what was all, all that about? Oh, no, they're talking about a soap opera. I mean, that intense? And everything, and a lot of that, well, you know, we're laughing around, but a lot of that got transmitted into our relationship. Because she came with an environment where there was a lot of strife. That's why it's hard to judge people, because, you know, I was like, you don't have, and she would, and, you know, she's, again, she's matured a lot. She's chilled out a lot. My kids are here, they're like, oh, yeah, she has. <laughs> I mean, it was serious. But, you know, as Christians, we've grown. She's seen it now. You go down to Mexico, their house is full of peace. Monica's mom, you know, of course, she's one of the main leaders, you know, leading leaders, like they say. A main leader at the church. Maggie's a pastor of the church. Mauricio, they everyone serving the church. And you really see what God has done. Now you go to the house and it's super peaceful. It's full of love, full of joy. You don't see any more of these conflicts. You don't see a lot of this stuff. But it took a lot of years for this to iron out because we were, they were so, even as Christians, so that's what I'm saying. Don't feel bad in this message because I might, you might say, Pastor, you don't even know where we're at with this whole thing. Well, this is the message for you. Because if you're patient and you give God a little bit of space, he will heal all this. But you've got to do your part, amen? So I want to I close. I'm running out of time. So I want to give you a few steps before we close. So let's go to the, go to the next one. And I'm still going to pound you guys with like a, you know. And I, this one is just, I, I just threw this one out there to make you smile. See, drama is like ants at the picnic. It has a way of ruining a good day. Number one, with your family. Be sensitive to it. Because, you know, you guys have been there. You planned a good day. You planned the trip. You planned the vacation. And then just somebody's not having a good day, and that ruins it for everybody. 
And we're talking, again, I'm, I'm speaking at families. Maybe you're not a Christian this morning. Maybe you're watching me online. You say, Pastor, I don't have the, the Jesus experience. Well, before the end of the service, I'll pray for you and I'll give you an opportunity. But here's the thing. For the most part, I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to people who said, you know what? We want, you know, kind of like the song, that, the last song that we sang. I'm going to build my life different. Can you say amen? Can you say, I want to build my life. Say that. I'm going to build my life different. I want to build my life different. I'm not that. I'm not, I, I was that. I, I didn't like it. But that includes this. This is one of the big ones because we bring a lot of the spirituality with us, but it seems like we, we leave away the little conflict area. And we're always finding that place of discussion and arguments and fighting and bickering. And that is not a, that is not a good environment for the Holy Spirit to set in there. All right, let's keep going. Galatians 5, 15 through 16 says, However, if you continually bite and devour one another, beware that you're not consumed by one another. And I thought about that, that one sentence, because sometimes we read things really fast. You gotta, sometimes you've got to slow down and read it and listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. He says, if you continually bite and devour one another, you will be consumed by one another. And you think about, wow, because, I mean, if you just read it really fast, you don't really get the heart. You know what he's saying? The, the, the fight, the anger, the expressions of anger, the expressions of no control, even though you are directing them at somebody else, as you are directing them, you are consuming yourself. You are destroying yourself. You are causing things in your life. You're causing damage in your life. You're causing emotional damage to yourself. You're causing physical damage to yourself. And again, most people are not on a track to hurt themselves. But it tells you right there, if you continually bite and devour one another, beware that you're not consumed by one another. In other words, this is so toxic, and especially in a marriage, and especially, especially in a Christian marriage. It is so toxic that, that Paul is telling you, if you don't control this, you will die from it. That's what consume means, by the way. It means you slowly disappear. It's like cancer. One of the most horrible diseases out there is cancer because it's just a slow consumption. And if you've ever experienced that or you've seen people that have gone through that, it's, it's, it, that's exactly what he's referring to. That it's not like you're going to get in a fight and you die the next day, but it's already a cancer there. And it's just eating and eating year after year, day after day, minute after minute, just eating, eating. And before you know it, your life just keeps moving forward, moving forward. And when you're in your 20s, you don't think about being 50. And when you're 30s, you're like, ah, I got this. But, you know, before you know it, you're going to, every one of you was going to wake up one of these days, and you will be 55 too. Some of you are like, ah, it happened a long time ago. All right, I'm talking to the younger ones. And how, what, what did you do for the last 30 years? Just spend them in conflict, spend them in anger, spend them in stressed out, not talking to the kids, not talking to the husband, not talking to the wife. You know, and, and, and it's just a sad thing for Christians. How many agree with that statement? It's a sad. As believers, we have all this amazing things that God did for us, and to just bury ourselves in anger and bury ourselves in strife and bury ourselves and, and then wonder why in the world we're not in rhythm. You know, as a pastor, I get the front row seat of that in, in, in every campus, you know, because I see you guys, most, most of you, I see you every week, and I, and, I, you know, and I know a little about your life, whatever you share with me, but you see people in church that are on track. It seems like they came in, they plugged in, and the covenant is working, the promises are working, and then you see somebody else in church that's been here forever also, but they just keep bumping and bumping through life and bumping through life, and nothing resolves, and nothing gets fixed, and they're always broken, they're always sick, and they're, you know, it just, 
And you say, well, what's the difference? Why is this person, you know, seems to be moving? Is God, is God making exception? Of course not. God loves every one of you exactly the same. Let me help you this. He can't love you more. Well, just because you're the pastor, God loves you. No, no, no. I have the same Just because I'm talking to you doesn't exempt me from being a peacemaker in my house. And I caused a lot of drama. Don't, don't misunderstand. You know, my kids are here. Do you think I'm going to preach something like this and, and have them just raise eyebrows? No, I've caused a lot of it for being stupid and being ignorant and thinking I was being spiritual, which was the worst. You, can, you know, you can think you're doing righteous acts and cause so much drama in your house because the Word of God says. And now, you know, what? You're, you're, now you're using the Word as a weapon. Are you still here? See, just because we're Christians, that doesn't give us a right to beat somebody. It, didn't we just read it earlier? Who are you to judge? You got to raise your kids the best you can, and you got to set the word of God before them, and you got to show them. And man, we got so you know, you talk about testimonies of God's presence, and you teach these kids to connect to God beyond a church building. But the biggest sermon they're hearing is you. Well, let me put it this way: the best sermon they're watching is you. And over here, you're God, 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 church, church, church. And at home, you're like a demon. And when you wonder why those kids aren't serving God when they hit about 17 or 18, huh? Who are you going to blame on that one? You can't throw that one on God. Because he told you this is the way it is. You've got to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called children of God. That's what Jesus said about peacemakers. Remember the Beatitudes? Children of God. The peacemaker gets to carry the name child of God. If there was no other reason for you to be a peacemaker, just that one. Because the, the, the name child of God is not just a badge. In the spirit realm, you're recognized. Satan looks, wow, watch out. That guy, that guy, that's a child of God. That girl, she's a child of God. We're going to mess with her, but you, you're going to have a fight with her because she's a child of God. Those, yeah, they're children, but they don't even know that they're children. Because look at how they're acting. If you don't believe me, I, got, I can tell you Bible stories. You know, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, and who are you, Jack? Well, he didn't say Jack, that's just me. Remember Paul and the demonized one? The devil told him, he said, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, I don't know you. And, and he turned out and beat the fire out of him. That's what happened, read it, it's in the book of Acts. And I think there's a lot of believers that you know, gave their life to Jesus, but when they get out in that spiritual warfare arena, the devil like, yeah, whatever. You might be going to heaven, but you're mine here. And you will live in hell till you get to heaven. Because you know that there's a lot of types of hell, right? I'm not talking about Bible hell. Yes, there's Bible hell, but there can be hell on earth. A marriage that's in a fight, a discord, you know, in a, in, a, in a family environment where everybody's at each other's throat, that's living in hell. There's no peace in there. You know, and, and it's not a hell, fire, brimstone, but it's a, it's a dark place. A marriage that doesn't talk to each other, that's a dark place. Children that are separated from their parents because of communication, because of issues, because of unresolved issues, those are dark places. And the devil loves that. Amen? Let's keep moving. I've got to finish this up. I, want to, I get to want to get to a point. So I'm just, you know, this is really today's kind of foundation setting, and that's why I have a lot of scriptures. But 1 Corinthians 3.3 3 says, For you are yet carnal, for where there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? 
And then the question is, well, Pastor, what does all this affect then? How does all this affect us? Okay, give me the next one. Some people create their own storms, and then they get really mad when it rains, isn't it? That's how it affects you. See, you don't, you don't set on a quest to say, I'm going to make my life miserable. You don't even set yourself on a quest to say, I'm going to make everybody's life miserable. But that's the end result. You have a conflict. You have a, a place where you know you're right. And, and you just keep blowing this thing up, blowing this thing up, blowing this thing up, blowing this thing up. And then when it start, rains on your parade, then you're mad. Well, let me help you, sunshine. You started it. Maybe if you didn't start it, there'd be sunny, it'd be a sunny day in your life. Come on, let's give me the next one, RJ. I want to get to this point. Skip that one. I'm going to come back next week to that one. Just skip that one. Let me, let me leave you with this. How can we avoid this? How can we avoid a constant drama-filled life? Well, first of all, you've got to recognize it. You can't avoid nothing unless you can see it. You've got to be able... And I tell you, this is one of the most seductive spirits that I've ever seen because you're... you're and I'm talking about myself. You end up in a place where you're like, wow, how did we get here? How are all this fighting and all this craziness, how do we get here? Well, very simply, if you would have recognized the devil at the beginning, you would have never gone there. Right? But he hides. You know, the Bible says he hides as an angel of light. So you have to learn to recognize it. Let's give me the next one. Let's go. So, it has nothing to do... No, if it has nothing to do with you, pay attention now, because this is how you recognize it. This is so deep, guys. Mind your own business. Proverbs 26, 17. He said, you got scripture for that? I got scripture for everything I'm telling you this morning. <laughs> he that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that takes a dog by the ears. And he's not referring to a cute little pug. He's referring to a mean pit bull. Or a German shepherd or some dog that could cause you some damage. And that's exactly the analogy that, that Solomon was using. He says, he that passeth by and meddleth with strife not belonging to him. In other words, you're just minding your own business and you see something on Facebook and you're like, well, let me get that. It'll do. Come on, raise your hand. Have you not, you know, you were just having a good day, but something drew your attention and you got involved in a conversation or you got involved in a conflict or you got involved in a, in a series of opinions and before it was over, you and you, the person that, that, you know, you were supposedly getting involved to defend, because of course that's what you're doing, right? That person already left the conversation. They're done. Now it's you and that person. And that wasn't even your fight. Come on, anybody? You and the dog, exactly. Now you got it by the ears. What are you going to do with a mad pitbull by the ears? You can't let it go because it's going to kill you, right? <laughs> You're going to have to fight this thing now. How many know what I'm talking about? That wasn't your fight. Look at your neighbor and say, mind your own business. That's a, that's a word for somebody this morning. Just mind your own business. All right, next one. 1 Peter 4.15 says, If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, or making trouble. Here's another one. I like the company that it keeps, though. Prying into other people's affair. This is a free country. Well, they say. 
But you know, just mind your own business. There's nothing wrong with having opinions, but if somebody has a conflict and it's not part of your life, don't go there. Don't sign for it. I know I use this analogy way overused a bit. If the UPS guy comes to your door and knocks, says, I got a package for you, and you hear like this rattling sound. He says, what's in there? It says, life snakes. And you hear, shh. And you say, well, I didn't order any rattlesnakes. Well, it has your name on it. Let me help you. Don't sign for it. <laughs> Just say, send it back to sender, please. I didn't order rattlesnakes. But you know, that's what people do. You're just having your perfectly good time, and then somebody else in your family had a fight. Yeah, you last. No, you guys know. I think Mexicans, we're like about the worst about that, right? Because we're rasa. We've got to watch out for our family. That's fine, but when your family's causing a lot of trouble, maybe you should pray for them instead of watching for them, you know? Yes, but that's what happens. You know, somebody tells somebody off, and the brother gets involved. And then the mother gets involved. And then the tío, and the compadre, la comadre, and in Hebronville, I mean, everybody's related in this town. Y'all know that. Before you know it, you got 45 people on one side and 45 people on the other side. They're all fighting, and it all started because two little kids had a fight at the little party, you know? Right? And that's exactly what he's saying. So some of the things that you can take with you this week is mind your own business. Get your own affairs in order. If you see something on Facebook and that's not your fight, just keep scrolling. <laughs> just keep scrolling. You know, some, and, and we're going to get to that, hopefully. The train. Give me the next one. I've got to finish, Arj. I don't know where I'm going to stop. I'm just going to stop. Well, you know, if you want to dial down the drama, and I'll stop with this one, because that's the point we're doing. Keep your mouth shut. And I like Job, man. This is a little gem I found in the book of Job. It says, If only you would be altogether silent... For you, that would be wisdom. <laughs> Isn't that good, H? <laughs> if you just would be, keep your mouth shut, you would look so smart. That's what it's saying. It would be wisdom for you. You know who Job was telling it? His best friends. Because they were nephews and they were t- talking a bunch of garbage, uh, even about him. And he finally says, guys, 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 for you guys, it would be wise. Do not open your mouth. Practice the science or the art of silence. You don't have to go everywhere with every opinion you have. You know, I got so many, I have too many opinions, and some of them are pretty dumb. If I use this pulpit, and I sometimes I'll throw a few things out there, but I always try to be clear. This is my opinion. I say, this is my opinion. Y'all don't have to, this is not preach, this is not a sermon. And, but, you know, we have so many perspectives, so many things. But if you're really on a pursuit to resolve conflict in your house, are you really on a pursuit to not drown in the shallow? Start with your mouth. Filter things. Watch. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do? And pray. Watch and pray. If we would just do those two things, watch, pray, and then after you pray... See if the Holy Spirit gives you a prompting to say something. Even in a fight, you know, if your wife is saying something you don't agree with or your husband's saying something that you want to really, you know, crash into that, just take a moment and say, "Um, give me a second. Go to the other room, go to the kitchen, and pray. Say, Lord, I want your wisdom in this. 
I'm very mad. I'm very angry, and I got a lot to say. But right now, it's not about me, Lord. It's about you. And then go right back into that conversation and see where it goes. Because I told you, this spirit is very seductive. Amen? We're going to stop there this morning. I know, I'm trying to, like I said, I had a huge basis for introduction. Does this help anybody this morning? Go ahead and stand with me. And if this was something that hit home, well, let's pray about it right now. And let's pray that, that you know, if there's stuff going on at home, if there's stuff going on with the kids, if this may be just something you've been carrying your whole life, maybe it was something that was branded on you when you were a child, you had nothing to do, but you lived in a home like my wife that was a lot of conflict, a lot of yelling and, you know, all this kind of stuff. If that's something, you know, it wasn't even your fault, but you have it on you. Guess what? The Lord can heal you of that. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching us online, because most people in this building, I know, if not everyone, that you're born again, you're a child of God. But I still want to pray this, and everyone in the building, pray it, because this is really the beginning. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am, with no excuses, no pretext. I need you as my Savior. And I receive you today. I am a child of God. Amen. Now keep your head bowed eyes closed and it doesn't make you more spiritual it just makes it more private actually because some people say why do you close your eyes oh, it, just, it just seems like it's the only place you can be private in a public setting you know and I want you to you know don't think about anybody else but, but if this is something that has followed you around again it, could, it might not even be your fault you, maybe you were raised in a very toxic environment maybe you were raised single parent home where mom did the best she could or dad did the best he can but at the end of the day he was frustrated you saw things you heard things and you were molded by it and now you see those same things coming into your family into your marriage into your children god god has a higher life for you and that higher life is called peace i want to bless you i want to pray for you but i really want you to release your faith that this service would be significant that you said you know i got a word from the lord I got marching orders. I got something to work on this week. But I will be a better person. I will be more courteous. I will show my wife more love and respect. I will change the way I talk. I mean, there's a lot of modifications. It's not all going to happen overnight. But you got to get the Holy Ghost involved. You got to get the Spirit of God involved because He's the only one that can help resolve these things. Here's my prayer for you. Father, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for this wonderful people, including our online church that's watching right now. And Lord, we are on a pursuit to be more like you, Jesus. It's like these songs that we sang this morning. Who do you say I am, Lord? Saying about building our life. And truly, Lord, we, we, we make a decision that we are going to build our life different. That we don't have to be like the rest of the world. And Father, right now, if this is a thing, and people that are listening to me, even people that would go back to the podcast and listen to this, Father, this prayer will still be as powerful as it is any time. That, Father, we are tired of having to navigate through strife and, and, and drama and all these kind of stuff. And, Lord, we pray as we learn the very few points that we learned this morning to help us bridle our tongue. Help us, Father, be sensitive that we can process the thought we can process 
the, the response through your spirit, not through our brain, not through our emotions, but that we can process the response through the spirit of God. And that, Father, that we are not going to drown in the shallow. When we talk about deep, we mean deep. Deep into the things of God. Deep into the truths of God. Deep into the love of God. Not deep into the shallow of drama and and drowning in, in conflict and not even enjoying our lives because our life will go right by us. Our life will go right by us and we'll still be fighting and bickering and conflict. And no, no, no. We want to live a life that is peaceful. We want to be an influence, a good influence to people. And I pray right now that strife, if that's you this morning, I'm not here to embarrass anybody, and I won't do that. I'm not going to call people out and say, come here, I'll pray for you. But if that's you, just be honest to receive this prayer this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every demon of hell that has been placed on assignment to destroy the families of this church, to destroy the children, to destroy the marriages. And Father, we take authority and we bind it. And I pray that a supernatural enlightenment comes into their way of thinking where they will be able to recognize this spirit as soon as it creeps in. And that we can be the bigger person, Lord. That we can be the one, even when we're right, we don't always have to be right. Even when we're right, we don't always have to prove that we're right. Because love is greater than being right. So we pray that the love of God, Lord, just infuses everyone listening to me this morning. That the love of God infuses these marriages that are represented here, that infuses these children and parents and their relationships, Father, that, that our families are that, that will be known for being godly, God-fearing, God-honoring families, Lord. That we're all on the same quest, that none of us is perfect, none of, none of us have all this down, but we can say, Lord, I need some help. If that's you, just cry out for Jesus. You can, I'm telling you, it's, 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 there is peace there. I don't know why, it's in my heart, but you know, but there's, there's somebody online or in this building that just is dealing with a lot of this. Let me tell you, God's going to grant you, this is prophetic now, God's going to grant you the wisdom to make some decisions. That's the word I got, wisdom to make decisions. I didn't get to some of these points, but one of the points that's up there maybe next week is sometimes you have to separate yourself from toxic people and you have to make room for the Holy Ghost. So we're not not there yet, but I'm just saying pay attention to the Holy Spirit this week. I call you blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Glory to God. Holy Spirit. You may be seated. God is so good. Amen. Let me give you a quick update on Cuba as far as, you know, I was talking to Yoel yesterday and I think I was right in the middle of the conversation when they cut off the internet. They've been doing that. They've been controlling the internet. Um, If you've been watching the news, you know, you're getting some of it. There are some links that I put on my Facebook page. I might, that are, most of them are in Spanish. There's people that are actually reporting. The situation in Cuba is pretty serious. I was supposed to get a list, but that's the internet went down. There's at least five pastors that I don't, I might know one of them, I think. I don't, I'm not, you know, there's, maybe if I see them, I'll know them, but there's five pastors that, that they've disappeared. And that is exactly what the Cuban government's doing. They're just, you know, disappearing means they lock them up and torture them for a few days. 
There's other people that have been shot in their houses. I mean, it's, it's a serious movement. But, you know, we are believing. One of the things that Yoel and I were in agreement, and you've heard me say, is that I believed. I, and I, I said in my lifetime, I didn't realize it was coming this quick, but I said we would believe there was a free Cuba. You know, that we will see a version of that, that island free from communism. Um, nobody has any idea. Unless you've been there, you have no idea. Right, Araceli? Unless you've been there, Yanis, you know, Angie, others, others of you that have been to Cuba with us, um, unless you walk it and you smell it and you live it, even if it's for a few days, nothing, nothing on the news, nothing that I can say even will give you an idea of what the spirit is. It's as demonic as it gets. So, you know, Pastor Yoed is doing good. His family's doing good. They've had some issues with, of course, they had those before all this mess, the, the food. But he told me that they were like, for three weeks, they had enough food for about three weeks. A family from Laredo very graciously sent $1,000 to Cuba. We got, we got that money to them yesterday um, just to help out the cause. But what I'm asking for you is just pray. You know, Cuba is part of our ministry. And, you know, right now it's on the news and it's everywhere. But remember, we were there before it was on the news. Amen. We've been, we've been there doing what God called us to do before it was all over the news. So, you know, just pray for Yoel, his family. Pray for these pastors that they will release them or find out where they're at. And we just pray. You know, we're going to pray all of us this morning that, that God's glory and God's righteousness and justice will take over that island and, and, and bring their freedom back. You know, these people, that's all they want now, just to be free. Sixty years of just horrible, horrible, horror, horrible. I mean, imagine waking up every day of your life not knowing where you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, where you're going to get it from. Every day, every day, every day, every day. This is a whole island. Like one Cuban pastor described to me years ago, he said, living in Cuba is like living in prison. You know, you live in your house, but you're still, in, you're, 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 you're not in prison in a cell, locked up in a penitentiary, you're, you're in prison in a country. And I don't know if that's even worse or better because... It's just been so tough, you know, and I, I don't want to talk that. I really do get emotional because it is on our heart, you know. We, we love these people. We love this nation. So just keep praying and watch the news, you know. Keep, stay informed. Um, there are some good news resources that I'll try to post. Um, I don't want to post a lot on the, on the Faithway page because when we apply for a visa to go to Cuba, the first thing they check is our Facebook. I was talking to Pastor Dan yesterday. We had a long, long conversation also about Cuba. And he asked me about that. I said, well, you know, I don't think we have to worry about it right now. But when we apply for visas, you got to go back to your Facebook and delete all your anti-Cuba stuff because they won't give you the visa. They check everything. I mean, it, it is insane. Imagine a country where with one switch, they could turn off your internet. That's how it is in Cuba because all their technology is Chinese and they, and they did it on purpose where if they want a whole country off, they just got to, it's gone. And they're doing that, of course, because they don't want, but then they'll come on and then they were using VPNs. It got really complicated and then they were going to shut down all the people that were using VPNs. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. But I mean, it was just so much stuff, you know, and we were right in the middle of this conversation. Then I, I do, I talked to him through the internet. Um, he doesn't trust the phones. I don't either. <laughs> you know, when you're dealing with a communist nation, you know, the hotels in Havana, I don't know recently, but uh, I remember Terry Mize telling us years ago that he said, one of the reasons I wouldn't take my wife to Havana was because they had cameras in the hotel rooms. You know? They would put you like, oh yeah, stay in the nice hotel. They're watching, they're listening to everything you're doing. That, that's the kind of world that our Cuban brothers wake up to every single day of their life. Imagine that. So anyway, that's just a quick update. Cuba, thank you for your support. Thank you guys. It's going to be ongoing. And if Cuba's on your heart and you want to help out, just you know, keep helping out. Any money that comes in, it goes. we send it as quick as we can. 
You know, like I said, summer is a a difficult time for a church because you know people on vacation, attendance is down, finances are down, everything goes down. But our, but you know we can't stop supporting them. You know, it's not like because we we don't have enough money, they still got it. You know, we still believe God called us to help them eat and so forth and so on. So again, this is something you pray about. I'm not asking for a penny of it. It has to come from your heart. You know, at the same time, we got a church to run. So, you know, we just can't take all the money and send it to Cuba. We got bills to pay and, you know, doors to keep open and all that kind of stuff. So, again, thank you for all your generosity. Thank you for all those of you that, 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 that know what's going on in Cuba, that keep it in your heart. And again, thank you for keeping Faithway going. So, just want to give you that quick update. And then I want to close with a really cool testimony because, you, you know, I was saying up here when I was trying to lead, I haven't led praise and worship in so long. And get, but it's, you know, God has been doing some good stuff. You know, you just got to learn to recognize it. And, of course, this couple, you know, we've been, since it started, we were right there with them. But it was funny because when they, the first first instance, we were actually in South Padre. And, and I, you know, when the first thing happened, I told them we're here. They were nearby. But anyway, to make you the story short of a testimony about raising your kids on the Word of God. By the way, if you want to prepare your offering, go ahead and do it. So I'll just sell you the testimony. You can get out of here. God is so gracious. You know, learned my kids saw it, my, my son saw it, my daughter saw it, you know, when they were small. But one of the guys that's really seeing this is Caden. Caden sees God's hand in an amazing way. So we were at the island, and it had been kind of rainy off and on. So we were there in the morning, then it started raining. I said, well, you know, let's go have lunch. So we got all got in, took a few hours off, and it kind of cleared up. And I had Ayana with me, my granddaughter, and they're like, well, let's go to the beach, let's go to the beach. And, you know, like, okay, let's go to the beach. They hadn't been to the beach for two hours, so you can tell. So they hit the beach running. You know, we walked from the hotel to the beach. They hit the beach running. Like, the beach! Well, he forgot to take his phone out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah, oh. And it's, you know, it's an iPhone, whatever. And, and he went in and he played and swam for about an hour into. And I'm sitting with Monica, you know, over here watching the kids play. And, and he says, where's my phone? I'm like, I don't know where your phone is. I said, did you leave it at the room? Well, he didn't know. And, I, and, I, and he says, no, I had it with me and blah, blah, blah. Went back and forth. So I went and looked for it at the room. Didn't find it. Looked in the truck. Didn't find it. But then when I when I got to the truck, I kept pin, I was hitting the, the find, you know, iPhone find, and it wasn't even showing. And all of a sudden, it appeared. And I'm like, what? So I hit find. I said, well, maybe it's in the room. So I went back up to the room. No, actually, it was, I was heading back to the beach. I went back up to the room. It wasn't there. So I go back to the truck, and it wasn't there. And now I'm walking to the beach, and I'm hitting the ping, ping. And I said, maybe it fell. And as soon as I get on the beach, there's this lady. And, the, and she wasn't really talking, but there was a cop there talking to somebody else. But she's, she's holding Caden's phone, right? And it's pinging, like, bing, 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 bing. And I'm, and I'm pointing, like, at him. And he's, like, all excited, of course. He got his phone back. And then the lady goes to tell me, says, we found it in the water. She says, it was about knee deep. And I just stepped on something. And I didn't know what it was. I mean, the phone was sunken in salt water for an hour. <laughs> and the lady stepped on it. And the lady found it. But wait, when we let me back up a little bit. This is, this is why you got to live God's way. I mean, it might not be important. Yeah, it has insurance, whatever. But the fact that God does these things. So when this whole phone crisis was happening, right at the, at the front end, he didn't know what happened. We didn't know what was in the water. We didn't know where it was. He knows what to do. He says, can you pray about us? Of course we can pray. Come here. So we got Ayan and Mimi. It's okay, Father, we just thank you. Caden's phone, Jesus' name. This phone will appear, and we'll find it. Jesus' name, amen. And that's when I took off to the hotel, right after we prayed. But we prayed and he found his phone. Isn't that cool? I mean, they found it underwater. I mean, what are the chances of that, you know? A, a, a few minutes earlier in the morning, there was that, you know those guys, the beachcomber guys? 
have the metal detector with their headphones? I said, that's how that guy makes his living. He finds phones in the sand, right? So, you know, it might not seem big to you, but it is big because we prayed about it. They found the phone. And what happened is when she pulled it out of the water, you'd think the phone would be fried by then. That's when the ping picked it up. It was, it was still perfect fine. And we just had to, like, blow the sand out of the thing. It was full of sand, and it still works. So glory to God for that. The reason I share these things is because that's how, that's how Christians are supposed to live. Like what Kathy said about getting out. I know it's not even comparison. Her testimony is very serious in the content. But finally making that, saying, you know what, I'm done with this. And her praying those two hours, sitting in that chair, saying, you know, we're, we're, we're done, devil. you got to have that attitude, amen. Teach your kids. Every little tiny thing, pray over it. Pray over it. Let those kids know. And that kid's experience from his phone to his broken foot that was healed supernaturally to all kinds of little things like that. And I think that's what we're, we're, we're striving for. Amen. I just wanted to share that. Go ahead and stand with me and I'll get you out of here. If you've got a paper offering, there should be an envelope next to you. There'll be a, somewhere you can deposit it in the bag. Those of you watching us online, also, you know, thank you for your partnership. And, you know, like I said, every, every penny gets used for God's glory. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. And we thank you, Lord, for where the word has gone this morning. And we leave in this place refreshed, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit, that we don't have to, we can live a drama-free lifestyle. And we thank you for the seeds that are being sown right now electronically or through the paper, wherever way they give, Father. These seeds will leave their, leave their hand, but they will never leave their life, Father. I believe the harvest. I believe in quick harvest. And I believe the testimonies, simple testimonies, even from finding a phone underwater, Father, to serious things from health to peace and prosperity. You are the God that moves. And I believe this week, come on, stretch your faith. I believe this week their life will be filled, not with one, filled with testimonies of your glories and your grace in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. With that, you are dismissed. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, tell them you love them, and we'll see you all next week.